You're listening to the Football Revolution. Hello and welcome to the Football Revolution. I'm your host, Gio. Thanks for joining us. Two semi-finals down, two to go, but who will play in the grand final is still not much clearer and a lot more to chat about as the season is fast coming to an end. And joining me to work through this, my co-host, VIG. Good evening, mate. Good evening. Yeah, two down, two to go and uh, a big grand final uh, ahead. Mate, that's similar to, you know, one down, one to go. So Mother's Day's just passed and Father's Day's still to come. So, uh, yeah, lots happening with families. Did you have a good uh, good Mother's Day? I know um, your mum's actually over visiting Alex at the moment in the US, but uh, did you still have a good day with uh, with your wife and uh, mother-in-law? I did, I did. Good day here with uh, with my wife and, and mother-in-law. Had a, had a lovely lunch, but... Um yeah, it's a shame for my mum that she had to spend her Mother's Day with her uh, number two son <laughs> and not right. the number one. All right, well, I'll make sure that that's a little bit more editing for me before we send it out so Alex doesn't see that. But uh, government belt tightening has cost the A-League All-Stars a lucrative showdown with Bayern Munich in Sydney, ruining plans for a bumper weekend of football that included a women's showpiece involving Barcelona that, it could, have, that could have also included the Socceroos. What are these guys doing, honestly? Oh... I don't know. It's a it's a shame because you know they they had all these plans, um, you know the festival of football, the the women's grand final, and the, the all stars game, um, and then the A League grand final will follow, and and you know they've just absolutely stuffed everything up. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where to start. I don't know where to finish on this. Um, it, it's a it's a shame. Um, it's a shame for you know A League players who potentially have the chance to, to go and play against a, a big club like like Bayern. We saw it last year with Barcelona. Um, you know, it was a it was a, a nice event. It, can it be better? Yes. Is, is the timing of it not great? You know, are these things better for better off left for for later into the off season or even as a, a preseason um, thing as as a build up into the season? So. Um, it, it's hard to say. I don't know where it all went wrong, but um, you know the, the New South Wales government hasn't come through, and it's a shame. Yeah, look, I suppose you know an A League All Stars game featuring a huge club like uh, Bayern Munich is is not as big as the uh, uh, what do they call it the the Magic Round or whatever. Like honestly, I just I just can't believe the mo- the global only global game that we have in this country and pretty much in the world other than basketball gets shafted by sports like that. I'm, I'm sure they'll put plenty of money in when it comes to origin and all these other sports. Yeah, hundred percent. But you know, it's, it's just the way it is in this country. It's the, it's the way it's been for a, a long, long time. Um, and you know, the APL, the A-Leagues, the, the, the clubs, um, may, maybe we need to get a little bit more creative and, um, you know, I don't don't know what the answer is right now, but um, we, we need to to build the league up again. We need to, uh, you know, create a, a football culture in this country um, that that is bigger and stronger than the NRL culture or, um, you know, AFL AFL culture. And it, it takes time to to develop that um, and and to build that back up again. And um, uh, unfortunately. Uh, they just haven't been able to to do that and and harness. You know, we've got the the biggest participation rate um, in, in the country. You, you know, at a at a grassroots level, how can we harness that and, and turn that into 
um, you know, bums on seats at, at A-League games uh, and, and a football culture that, you know, people are jealous of. The AFL and the NRL and other codes uh, around Australia should be jealous of football in this country and the potential that football has. Right, summary is you tighten the belts, you affected the brain. So that's we'll, we'll leave it at that. But uh, a record-breaking crowd of 77,390 watches on as Sam Kerr, as a Sam Kerr goal was enough to give Chelsea a 1-0 win over Man United in the FA Cup, handing the Blues a remarkable three-peat. What an effort, what a performance. Yeah, huge, huge. Um, Sam Kerr's absolutely flying with with Chelsea at the moment. Um, they're, a, you know, they're, they're one of the, the best women's teams um, in, in world football, up there with uh, the, you know the likes of Barcelona, Lyon, um, and she's you know she's at the peak of her powers right now and uh, scoring goals in finals, FA Cup final over Man United to to win. Um, we just hope she carries this form uh, into the Women's World Cup later this year. Do you pinch yourself though when you see a crowd of nearly eighty thousand at an FA Cup Women's final? And and to be honest, like I said. It's just one of those things. It's not that the women's game didn't have the potential to reach this. It's not that the women's players aren't great. But considering where they've come from to now, what, fast track a few years and you've got 80,000. 80,000 in any sport, any final, any anything is just another planet. Yeah, it's amazing. And, and you know, Wembley is, you know, it's – you're off to Wembley at the start of the season when the when the cup starts. You know, the everyone's aim is to, is to get to Wembley, and um, it's got such tradition uh, playing in that stadium. And um, you know, we've seen so many great men's FA Cup finals and, and semi-finals, um, and now to have the women on, on the same stage with the with the same crowd, it's 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 an amazing feat. The Oli Roo squad was announced for the prestigious Maurice Ravello tournament and the Joey's Asian Cup squad is to be announced soon. So lots happening in the uh, in the youth spaces of, of the Australian setup. So uh, was there anything that caught your eye, anything that excites you about this? I, I, to be honest, I don't know much about this Maurice Ravello tournament. Is this something that they play in France? Is this a, is this a preparation for the Oli Roo's, you know squad or what's the deal with this? Neither did I. You said prestigious, but um, yeah, I, I don't know too much about it either. Um, you know, look, it's it's just tournament football, I guess, and and it's a build up. Um, you know, they're getting these players in now for for the Olympic Games in in Paris in uh, twenty six. So, um, yeah, look, I, I think it's a it's a pretty strong squad. It's an exciting squad to to be honest with you. Some some real really good young talent there. Um, you know, Nuenhoff, Kual, Jelicic, uh, Jacob Italiano. Um, you know, there, there's some some real good talent. Marco Tilio's there as well. Uh, Nectar Triantis, um, Josh Rawlins, who's who's over at Utrecht at the moment. So, I think it's a it's a really strong squad, and um, hopefully, you know, they can start to build something uh, and and grow. You know, every time they come together, they grow as a team and, and grow as footballers, and um, take that to the Olympics. Yeah, look, the thing for me that was nice to see was the fact that uh, some of the players who have performed really well in the A-League this year have been recognised for those performances. And yes, look, it's, it's fantastic to be plying your trade over in Europe and we all, you know, a lot of players, including ourselves in our day, were, were dreaming of that. But it's also good, you know, if you're playing well, doesn't really matter what league you're in, right? So I think it and also gives more credibility to the A-League and, and hopefully will attract, you know, not only you know foreign players, but also keep our, our, uh, our young players here a little bit longer. So yeah, look, it was great to see. On the topic of uh, Australian players, so Aussies abroad, Ryan Strain scored a brilliant free kick and Nathaniel Atkinson registered an assist as St Mirren and Hearts ended 2-2. Nick D'Agostino uh, scored a goal and assist, helping his team Viking FK to a 2-1 win. That was his second goal of the season. 
Riley McGree played 90 minutes in his side. Middlesbrough's nil-nil with Coventry in the hope to secure a promotion back to the Premier League. So a huge second leg coming up for, for his team. Toulouse's Dennis Genero was man of the match as his side drew nil-nil with Nantes. And uh, Cam Pipion was awarded PL2 Player of the Month for April. So if you're ever awarded a Player of the Month in any league around uh, the world, in Europe especially, it's an amazing feat. But for it to be the, the league just below the uh, the Premier League goes to show that this guy's going places. And he was selected too, wasn't he, in the uh, in the Olyroo squad? Uh, he's, he's having a great season with, with Brighton. Um... I'm not sure if he was actually in the squad. Yeah, he I, was, might be. I was pretty sure I saw. I saw oh, he is. He yeah. is. He's, yeah. he is. He's definitely in the squad. He's, he's, he's of age. So yeah, he's probably um, the first yeah, bloke picked. <laughs> he, he was. He, he's he's absolutely flying this season. You know, he's been on the bench for Brighton uh, last week against Man United. Um, now PL Player of the Month. Um, he, he's always been a, a, a talent, and and like we said, he was he was talented at Sydney FC, but just never got a a chance. So he's, he was probably too young to you know even get a sniff around the first team. Um, but he's he's moved overseas and and you know now he's 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 right up there you know he he could be you know due for a loan out to a championship or or a League One side next year um, if not maybe uh, he's up in the Premier League. Yeah, look, it's, it's great that he's in the uh, been recognised, like we said, in the Olyroo squad. And, yeah, it'll be interesting next, uh, I suppose, 18 months to see uh, how he can progress from from the amazing season he's had. PL news. So Man City sit at, sit at the top of the table, four, four points clear with the game in hand over Arsenal, who suffered a shock 3-0 loss to Brighton. Newcastle and United are locked on 66 points, so they look like they'll secure a top four finish with only three games to play. And Liverpool, four points uh, further back, so it looks like maybe that gap is a little bit too big for them to close. Everton with a huge 5-1 win over Brighton, which uh, not only seems to have got them out of trouble, but it also made them very angry. So it's gone and <laughs> caused uh, caused them to smack Arsenal, which has obviously not only affected uh, the win has not only affected the bottom of the table, but it's also affected the top of the table. And Nottingham Forest picking up four points from a win and a draw has turned the battle for survival on its head. So the Saints on 24 are already relegated. So unfortunately for the Southampton fans, you'll be playing Championship next year. The Foxes are on 30, so they're also uh, looking to be heading down and Leeds uh, round out the bottom three on 31. A further point ahead is Everton on 32 and Forrest who had a good uh, a good two games on 34 So and with West Ham seem to be out of reach now. So it really comes down to uh, Leeds, Leicester, Everton and Forrest to see who will join Saints dropping down the division. Yeah, look, it looks like the, the top of the table is pretty much sorted. Uh, Man City sort of running away with it now. Um, you know, Arsenal with a, a big slip up at home to, to Brighton, losing 3-0 there. Um, but uh, I think the writing was on the wall for the Gunners uh, the last couple of weeks. They just haven't been good enough. And, um, you know, Man City are just, they're just, you know, win after win after win. Uh, I think Ilkay Gundogan with, uh, was it two goals and an assist or two assists and a goal? He's, he's an absolute freak, uh, you know, doing what he's doing at his age in the Premier League. I think he's, his first goal, that touch, um, touch on his uh, on his knee, and you know he's flicked it behind his head into the back of the net. Um, that's a absolutely incredible goal. I think it's just the technique on him, and, and to be able to to cushion the ball up and, and flick it behind your your leg in one motion. Um, you know, m- most players his age would uh, do a hammy doing that. I think, but um, 
Yeah, I think it's it's getting exciting down the bottom of the bottom of the of the table. Um, On the topic of Gundogan, though, surely that he must be nicknamed the Bear because he's been in hibernation for three quarters of the season, right? We have not seen him. People put him in their fantasy team based on last year's performance, and the guy's just been going average. And now all of a sudden, when it counts, right? When the going gets tough, and they were struggling against Arsenal, and there was other players out of form. Okay, yes, they had Harland who was flying, but there was other guys who were hot and cold. You know, one week Mares is good, next week he's not. One week Grealish is, and so on. He's just come out of nowhere, right, and started to absolutely. That's two goals in it, a double, a brace for him in two weeks in a row, and he's just really going to show what a, what a, what a top quality player he is. Yeah, look, don't be too hard on him. I think he had a kid not too long ago, so maybe um, maybe he was struggling with the with the sleep. But he's a he's a phenomenal player. I think he's you know in terms of German players in the Premier League, I think he's he's right up there with the best. I think maybe Mesut Ozil uh, is number one. Um, and maybe Gundogan uh, close second, but he's yeah, like you said, he's the last few weeks when they've really needed him to to dig themselves out of a hole or or you know get themselves in front in a game. Um, he's he's stepped up and and produced some uh, some great goals. Who's going down yeah, for you? Well, Who, who's who's going to join the Saints? Oh, uh, look, I think I think Leicester are probably gone now. Um, although they do have a, a game in hand on on Leeds and and Forest, so. If they win that game in hands, you know, stranger things have happened. But it's still, it's it's literally, it's a it's a four way battle for for two spots. I don't think Forest are out of it yet, and I'm, I don't think Everton are out of it either. So, um, if I had to pick, if I had to pick two right now, I think it'd be Leicester and I'm going to say Leeds and Everton are going to get out of it, and Forest are going down. Okay. I reckon Leeds, as much as I hate to say this when there's so many Aussie fans based on the great history we have with uh, Kiel and Viduka and so on, I reckon their draw's too hard. I said this a few weeks ago and I thought that Everton uh, would escape and I think Forrest have just got too big a lead on them. I think uh, they've done enough. You know, They got a point against Chelsea and they were unlucky. They should have got a win, so I think they're in good form. I know Chelsea's struggling, but still, if you look on paper, Chelsea's uh, bench is worth more than Forrest's whole team, whole grandstand, whole <laughs> club, whole everything. So I, I think uh, for me, it'd probably be Leicester, uh, Leeds and Saints. I think it will stay the way it is. So uh, team of the season replaces our player escape room this week. So VIG and I name our best lineups of the season or the best team that we think we, think we could put out on paper for a cracking clash uh, based on the players that have played in the A-League this season. Revolutionised roundup of the two men's semi-final first legs. And is there anything I didn't see, VIG? Yeah, well, I don't know if you know this, but uh, so Feyenoord won, uh, they will crowned Dutch champions overnight. I did uh, see defeating that. Defeating the go-ahead Eagles uh, 3-0 to take eight-point lead. Uh, now over closest rivals, I think PS, PSV are, are just behind them, but there's only two games remaining. So is that a real team? Go ahead, Eagles. Or is that G? Go ahead, Eagles. No, it's, <laughs> it's a real team. It that's sounds a, like a, it sounds like a, a grassroots club team. It does. Uh, maybe that maybe they were, and they just got yeah. promote promotion after promotion after <laughs> okay. promotion and, and, until they made the top flight. But um, yeah. So did you know that um, Fire Nord actually have an Australian who is uh, head of performance there? Okay. No, I didn't know that. What's his name? All right. Or her so, name. Uh, he's, he, it's uh, Lee Egger. He's a former Manly United and, and Sydney Olympic first grade player. Um, I, I pl- actually played against him in the MPL here in New South Wales, and he gave up his own football career to move overseas and, and pursue a career in physiotherapy and athletic development. And uh, now he's a Eredivisie champion as part of part of the uh, coaching staff at Feyenoord. So, congratulations to Lee, 
and final on a terrific season, and uh, he's done a great job keeping his players fit and healthy all season. Mate, smart move, right? I don't know what he would have achieved playing MPL, but he's gone and uh, won himself a Dutch title, and uh, he's got his name recognised now. I don't think he would have got this much credibility or this much uh, talk, people talking about him when he was playing in the MPL, but uh, he's made a, a brave move, and it's paid off for him, so congratulations to Lee, and uh, all the best for him. Uh, my weekly rap has been replaced by a shout out dedicating a weekly song to a team or a player for their good or bad performance. This week's shout out goes to Matilda star Sam Kerr, who scored the winning goal against Man United in the FA Cup, as we as we mentioned. Her team is still on course to win the league. She's a uh, Chelsea's a point behind United with a game in hand, and the song we send to her is AMU is it T H A M C apostrophe S's banging track My Team. I don't know how you pronounce that. It's capitals, small letters. It looks like a kid's been smashing on the keyboard, but it's. Uh, I'm sure there's some uh, acronyms in there and some abbreviations. But yeah, it was a capital A M U, lowercase T H A, uppercase M C apostrophe lowercase S. So it's. Uh, yeah, it's called my team. Uh, surely our Sam has now proven she's the best female player on the planet. Right now. Probably is, yeah. I, I don't know. There's, there's a few others. Uh, she might even be the best player uh, on the planet. Full stop. <laughs> Alexa, well, <laughs> quite possibly. Who, who else but, is single-handedly um, bossing games like she is at the moment and controlling her team's destiny? It's a, it's a team sport, right? It's eleven aside plus bench, and quite often you have coaches saying it's a, you know, it's a, it's a squad effort. It takes all sixteen or eight, eight, twenty-four. No, it's not. It's taking one lady at the moment, Sam Kerr. Yeah, look, I think she's got a case for being the best best female footballer um, this season. She, you know, she might even go on to to win the Ballon d'Or next year. I guess a lot a lot of that um, resides on on how she performs at the world at the World Cup. So, fingers crossed, she keeps this form, keeps it going, and and um, the Matildas uh, reap the rewards for it. Massive pressure though. She's uh, she's got the tag obviously at the moment, or as if not the best, as one of the few the best few players in the world at the moment. And you got a home World Cup, right? Which very rarely happens, you know, to to a player, let alone a player who's got that pressure. So look, this this will test uh, how strong she is under the pressure. Hopefully for for her and for the Matildas and for the country, we uh, she does stand tall. But it is a lot of pressure and a big ask. So uh, this will definitely test her out. But. Uh, Let's get into our revolutionised roundup of the semi-finals leg one. Uh, as we usually do, we pick a, a match of the day, but as there's only two games, we'll uh, we'll split it. So um, I'll be taking the Adelaide versus Mariners game, and you'll be covering the Sydney FC versus Melbourne City. For the listeners, uh, we'll give you the score, the goal scorers, the players of the game, the turning point, and what uh, we would have changed, either Coach Geo or VIG, to try and get uh, a result or a different result for from the game. So the first game was the uh, the Friday night between Sydney FC, who welcomed Melbourne City. How'd you see this one, VIG? Yeah, it was a great game of football. To be honest, I, I thought both teams played really well, um, albeit on a on a cow paddock out there at uh, at Allianz Stadium. I think you know for a semi final to have a, a pitch like that, uh, I think it's it's a, a bit of disrespect to to the league and and to the players of both teams so I was when I turned on the TV I was I was disappointed to see the pitch in that state um but that's what we deal with uh as footballers and and football lovers in this country so Do you think we can get a petition signed that all those other rubbish sports they can just wear bare feet or gum boots or something what they don't need studs they don't actually they don't actually need to keep their footing in balance they just run kick and run kick chase and and, and pass well, just, and they just run in straight lines so I don't I don't know 
Why? Just yeah, unlock volleys. Just put a, you know, like when you go temping bowling, how you have to leave your shoes there and you have to put on the bowling shoes. Just leave a big box of like bowling uh, Dunlop volleys at the gate and tell everyone take your shoes off and put your put your Dunlop volleys on. Just run out there and play. Who cares? It doesn't affect the rugby league or the rugby union or any other sport. I oh, know, I oh, know. Look, it's it's disappointing, but let's let's move on from that. So the final score was one all. Uh, goal scorers were Matthew Leckie for Melbourne City and Adam Lafondra for Sydney FC. Uh, my player of the match um, was Tom Glover. I, I thought without him, I, I think City lose this game without him. Um, he made a crucial double save just before half time. Um, I think Casera, it was Caseras with the with the first shot at his near post. Uh, saved that. The ball bounces back out, um, and uh, Robert Mack has a shot, but he gets up and, and dives into the middle of the goal to, to save that as well. So, um, you know, I thought that that's a, a crucial point in the game. Uh, where if that goal goes in, uh, you know, it, it changes the momentum, uh, you know, just just before half time. So um, for me, that that wasn't quite the turning point, but the, the turning point came in the in the 60th minute when Sydney were awarded a penalty. Um, no complaints for me, really. I think 100% penalty for me. Um, you know, Ray slides in, he gets the player, not the ball. Um, so you know, I think VAR confirmed it. Was penalty. justified. Yep. Um, Casera steps up. He's denied by Glover. Uh, great save. But uh, Sydney are throwing a lifeline as Callum Talbot has encroached and, and ultimately he's the player that clears the ball. So that goes back up to VAR. They reaward the, the penalty and uh, Lafondra steps up to, to make the score 1-1-1. One, one and I think from there that the game shifted again and, and Sydney gained that belief that, hang on a sec, we can go on and, and win this. Um, and and they they thought they did Ryan Grant with a with a lovely finish from a, I think it was a Max Burgess cross in but um, Maxi was just just a, a slight uh, smidgen offside so um, I thought Sydney finished the game really well and and probably the stronger of the two teams to be honest so um, before you get on to what you would have changed who would be the happier so Glover pulled off some great saves Sydney had a disallowed goal for offside. Sydney was gifted a penalty retake, and then you look at Sydney had 62% possession, whereas Sydney had 13 shots to eight. So who do you think leaves Allianz Stadium the happier of the two? I, th- I think both coaches will be, you know, relatively pleased that the, the tie is still alive. Um, you know, City can can go home now, and, and they'll be confident they can get the job done at home. Sydney have got a, a tough tough task going down there and and trying to, you know, get something out of that match. They, they need to, you know... They need to score a goal essentially because City have that away goal. So, um, yeah, uh, I think pro- probably City. City will be the happier that you know that they've they've got their goal. Um, they go back home where they've been so good all season, and and they'll believe that they they can beat Sydney at home. I think. Yeah, look, I think uh, if you if you believe all the rumours, this will be Glover's last season in the A-League, so uh, he's definitely putting himself out there to show people what he's capable of, and uh, he was outstanding uh, you know, against Sydney, so look, it will t- probably take another performance like that, especially when Sydney's got the firepower of, of Peroxide head uh, Mac or, and uh, Lolly Man and, you know, and Lafondre, who's looking dangerous again, so look, it will take uh, all, him and his back four, all the, their peak of their powers to, to be able to keep Sydney in check, but uh, yeah, it will be a cracking game, so what would you have Change to try and get a result, uh, a, a win for either side in that game. Yeah, to be honest, not much. I think both coaches did a did a pretty good job. Um, you know, Sydney made subs at, at good times. Um, you know, same with same with City. But I think you know that they both did enough to to try and win the game, whilst also being wary of you know totally losing the tie. 
and and I think Korica and uh, Rado Vitisic did a did a good job at that. They didn't want um, you know the game to blow out or to to get out of control. And and I think the ties. It's it's nicely balanced going into the second leg, and I think as the second game progresses, depending on the score, um, you know, if one team goes ahead, then you know, at some point in that game, the other team's going to have to take a take a risk, and and when that happens, I think there could be fireworks. To be honest, yeah. Look, I know there's a lot of people, probably us included, that uh, aren't 100% sold on. Uh, you know, playoffs happening after you've got, uh, you know, a regular season uh, because it doesn't happen in Europe. But with that said, uh, there was there were two really good games on the weekend. So when you get football like that, it's hard to sit there and say, look, we totally disagree with the concept because they were both excellent games. Neither team went out there going, OK, there's still a second leg. They both went out there strategically and tried to play to win the game. And it, they were both uh, high-quality games. Yeah, definitely. But do, do you think we would have got the same the same style of game if it was just a if it was just a one off is that what you're saying like both teams went out to yeah well, to be know, honest I don't I don't, I don't like the I don't like the playoffs format because that's not how it works in the in the big leagues around the world but to be honest I actually enjoyed and I didn't think I would I enjoyed the two leg I think I'm going to enjoy the two legs more than I do the knockout one legs because the one leg you, you kind of go well I go out there and I'm conservative because I'm scared you make one mistake and you're done whereas here you, they kind of tried things a bit longer because they know they got 180 plus minutes to get things right or wrong so I actually did enjoy this and look time will tell when we see the second legs if, if it does pan out like that but based on what I've seen from the first leg um, yeah I enjoyed it so I don't know if that means that I'm happy to keep finals in if they if once they bring in a second tier competition they restructure and they get rid of this I won't be crying about it but I I think like I said I did see some good signs come out of a, a two-leg uh, semi-final series so Moving on to the uh, second of the uh, semi-finals, so that was Adelaide United at home to Central Coast Mariners. The final score here was uh, 2-1 to the away team, so it's the uh, the second time that they've beaten them here in as many weeks. Um, the goal scorers were Craig Goodwin from a, uh, the penalty spot in the fourth minute. James McGarry equalised in the 15th with an absolute cracking strike, so... Uh, He's been a fantastic pickup from the Phoenix for for the Mariners, and what a smart shopping! And I guess last week discussing the team and how they think and operate with uh, both uh, Nick and also Sergio, you, you can see they've they've been smart shopping this year, very very smart shopping. And the winner coming uh, in the thirty seventh from uh, Jason Cummings, taking his uh, season total to seventeen goals. But uh, there was no other goals in the second half, so all all, all of the uh, goal scoring action uh, occurred in the first half. But uh, for me, the player of the game was uh, Danny Vukovic. So uh, to get anything out of a trip to Adelaide, you need to be solid at the back. And uh, besides the penalty, he repelled everything else that came his way. So there was no Tommy Glover-style saves, but he just did enough to make sure that he didn't let anything else get past him. And I think, uh, you know, if they'd, if they'd left there, um, you know, either losing 2-1 or 2-2 or something like that, I think it would have made them, uh, their, their job at home very difficult. But to leave there, uh, you know, winning, but also only conceding the, the, the one goal to Adelaide, I think, uh, you know, and taking two away goals with them, I think was a fantastic result for them. So, you know, there was other players that could have maybe pushed for it. James McGarry came off in the 50th odd minute. So I think if he'd stayed on scoring that cracking goal, which, you know, turned the tie back in their favour, as well as how hard he was working, he could have easily got the man of the match. But I think 50 minutes in, he just quite didn't do quite enough. Um, and they'll be hoping that he's, he's available again for the return fixture at home this week. Um, and for me, I think the turning point, it's strange when it's two legs, it's, it's only half time, so it's not <laughs> full time yet, it's only half time, so it's hard to say, you know, the turning point, but for me, Gauchi pulled off an unbelievable save to deny Cummings from a, um, around the penalty spot when he was unmarked, um, and then 
he got it all wrong to allow to allow the Mariners to take the lead six minutes later. So the same player shot, and it I don't know what he was doing. It was like he was doing the gardening or something. He was reaching down, pulling out some weeds, and then all of a sudden someone kicked the ball at him. He wasn't expecting it. So for a guy who's been absolutely sensational this year, um, Gauchi, he's made his uh, Socceroos debut, etc. It was just really weird. I don't know what had happened there, but I think that was the turning point too because I think, um, you know, they'd, they'd received a counterpunch from James McGarry um, and so, you know, and they were, they were sort of getting back into the game and then all of a sudden they concede a really soft goal like that and then from there on in, you know, they were on the back foot knowing we need another goal, we need another goal and they just seemed to push too hard and I think if it was at 1-1 it would have been the opposite. I think Adelaide would have controlled the tempo a bit better. So, yeah, whatever whatever happened there, I don't know. Do you have an opinion on what happened? It was really strange. Oh, yeah, it was a bit strange. I don't know. Maybe he likes gardening just like uh, Monty does as well. So <laughs> he likes to get out and get, get on the mower and um, make sure his lawn's, lawn's nice and pristine. But yeah, it was it was a strange one. Um, you know, like you said, if if it, if that game stays stays one all, um, you know, it's it's a bit more evenly balanced going into into the second leg. But um, I think the Mariners, you know, with a two one now have a, a huge advantage um, going back home. Oh, they're in the box seat definitely. And uh, for me, what would I have changed um, to try and, you know, for Adelaide to get something out of the game or at least leave, you know, leave to head to the coast with uh, at least a, a point um, or at least a draw heading to the second uh, leg? It was, you know, it was a pretty defence-minded lineup from the home team. They played a 4-1-4-1 and they made a four-striker change for uh, Ibasuki. He got injured in the 54th, bringing on Irukunda. So I don't think Irukunda would have come on that early. So I, I don't know why he's holding him back. Like you've got, like I said, this weapon that you just keep in the back of the cupboard and you pull it out. And by the time you dust it off and use it, you know, most of the times it's not too late. But I'd love to see what happens if he got on a bit sooner. But then it took uh, they took off midfielder Clough um, for striker Blackwood in the 69th. But it's too late to apologise. It's too late. Like I think it's just it's it's. It, does does here's a question for you then? Does yeah. Iran Kunda start in the in the second leg? I don't know when they're waiting to start Irukunda. Like, you know, in if saying you, that... If you don't do it now, when? when, when? You're like, I don't know. This is the last row, throw, throw of the dice for them. And, and in my opinion, I think they won't get anything out of this. And I think they'll leave and uh, with their tail between their legs and had a great season. But the Mariners will be progressing to a final against either Sydney or um, against uh, City. So, yeah, I don't know when they're using him. Because to be honest, I can almost bet my life that there's no way he was coming on in the 54th minute unless Ebisuki got injured. So... That means that he wasn't going to, so he was going to make a sub in about the 70th, bring on Irukunda and then bring in Blackwood about the same time. But, you know, I just think 4-1-4-1 is very negative when you're the home team and you're also a team that scored a lot of goals this year. And I know you've leaked a lot of goals, but work harder on tightening your defence up, right? Like, you've got goals in you. You want to leave there and they wanted to, you know, have a positive result. But I think they went too negative and hence why as soon as, you know, the Mariners got their noses in front, they actually looked like the team that was just as likely to get a third as they were to con- concede an equaliser. So, yeah, I just thought it was uh, a strange thing. And I've got, you know, I've got a lot of time for um, Carl Veed. I think he's done a great job there and he's got Adelaide playing really good football this year. But unfortunately for Adelaide, they've lost their form at the wrong time and I think he's lost his way a bit. So I, I don't know what's happening there. M- maybe uh, he needs to, you know, spend the night at home and let Millsy take over again. I think he's had a good record this year. I think Millsy's been un- uh, you know, undefeated since he's taken <laughs> over with a couple of times he's covered but uh yeah look for me it was just um yeah too late to apologize but um that's the end of uh that's the end of our revolutionized roundup up after the break we both name our team of the season let's see if you agree back soon you're listening to the football revolution 
Welcome back to the show. It's now time to select the players that have stood out this season or that we think would uh, give us the strongest possible team if uh, VIG and I went to head-to-head. So uh, I know we have a difference of opinion on formations, but I'm not sure about uh, lineups. But uh, look, we'll toss a coin. Here we go. Heads or tails, VIG? Uh, I'll go heads. Tails it is. All right. I'm, uh, I'm happy to kick off. I'm happy to go into bat first. So as we said, uh, this is... Uh, this is my team of the season, so not necessarily, I, I suppose, the, the absolute standout or the best player in every position, but for me, this is a mixture of the best players, but also putting a team together that I think would work. So there's no point having, you know, one defender and all the rest attackers. So there's so many good attackers in this league. So it's a matter of finding the right balance. So there might be a few players that have made my bench uh, who probably are good enough to start, but in a formation that I've decided to play, which is a 3-4-1-2, uh, it just wasn't possible. So we'll start things off. So the goalkeeper for me, even though there was a couple of uh, really t- tight decisions here for me was the uh, Wanderers number one, Lawrence Thomas. I think he's been absolutely uh, fantastic this year. And I think he was very, very harsh, harshly done by not to have been selected with uh, with Gauchi in the uh, Socceroos squad that was named uh, earlier in the year. So he's been brilliant and uh, he's probably shown the victory as good as uh, Paul Izzo is, what they're missing out on in, in their former number one. So he went overseas, he's back now and he's, he's a Wanderers boy, I think. You know, he grew up in the area, so they got their, uh, their homegrown back and uh, he's been absolutely brilliant. And he was a major reason why they finished so high up the table and... Uh, Played in finals football again for the first time in many a years. Yeah, he was. I think he's he's he was probably the the outstanding keeper um, of of the season uh, across the league. Uh, there were there were times where he he literally dug dug the Wanderers out of a hole or kept them in the game. Um, you know, numerous times this season, he made some some terrific saves, and and having that. That leader at the back, a, a voice at the back, he's, he's a vocal vocal keeper. Um, you know, I know they've got Marcelo experience in front of him and uh, Tomislav Mersela, but just knowing as a defender, having a keeper behind you who has a presence, um, can pull off some great saves, um, you know, is he, he's, he's loud and, and demanding of you. It, it, it makes your life, you know, 100 times easier as a, as a defender, especially as a, as a centre-back. Oh yeah, it was an absolute blessing for Rudin this year, and uh, hopefully for for Wanderers fans and for Marco Rudin, they've locked him in for for plenty of years to come. So I'm playing with a back three here. So um, like I said, I, I decided here with so much talent that uh, I'd give us a balance, but I also wanted to make sure we weren't going to cop. You know, we're going to score ten goals and cop uh, thirteen because we've got no no structure at the back. But we'll play with a back three. So the left is a guy who automatically picks himself Jordan Boss so uh, he's been absolutely brilliant for City this year he's also received a call up to the Socceroos and if rumour has it uh, is, is correct he'll be leaving our shores for, for Europe in the, uh, in the in the coming weeks or whenever his team is uh, knocked out of the final series so um, as we said, look, he looks like a, the way he runs, the way he moves. He's, he looks like a young um, Gareth Bale. He's what the fastest bloke in the A-League. He's got a killer left foot. So he'll give us speed and um, some versatility at the back and also give me a balance when I'm only playing a back three. The centre-back is uh, a guy that we talked about last week with uh, the Mariners, uh, the two Mariners coaches, Nick and uh, Sergio. So it's Brian Caltax. So... They've just pulled him out of nowhere. He uh, he's had to work really hard. So it's a, it's actually a fantastic story that uh, after you know so many setbacks and so many uh, you know so many cl- so close for him that he's finally got his chance in the A League and he's now a semi finalist in uh, the A League and he could be a f- grand finalist come uh, come Monday next week. 
Yeah, well, he, he was probably contemplating football retirement somewhere on a on a beach in Vanuatu a couple of years ago, and and now look at him, twenty nine years old, uh, just signed a, another a big deal with the Central Coast Mariners, and he's been absolute rock for them at, at the back this season. Is, and he's the first. Is he the first international? I think they mentioned last week. He's the first international ever from uh, Vanuatu to play Vanuatu. in the A League. Yep. Yep. Yeah, fantastic. And uh, rounding out my back three, uh, and this was based on the fact that of having someone that also you know gives me that uh, little bit of speed and bit of cover and that when I'm only playing a back three, I've gone for Jack Ingott. I think uh, in, a, in a raw team this year that really struggled, I don't think uh, it was because of him. I think uh, he had a really good season and uh, he gives me a back three of Boss, Caltech and Hingott. So I think there's a couple of others that I'll mention that uh, were sitting, are on my bench, which we'll get to eventually. But I think they are, have been really solid in defence, but I think they wouldn't suit a back three. So for me at the moment, I've got Boss, Caltech and Jack Ingot. Do you like it? Are you scared when you All come right. up against that? Uh, it's it's in- interesting, interesting because I've got some similarities in in my squad, but um, I've, I've gone for a slightly different formation, but also struggled, um, you know, to find someone uh, at the right back position. So it's interesting, yeah. I did, I did try, and we, uh, both, we both have a similar football brain. We looked at trying to switch left footers across and saying, seeing if I could play someone else out of position or a midfielder who's got a big engine as a wing back. But I thought, you know what? If I'm going to play with the three, I need someone that knows how to play that position. And there's no chance for someone to do some work experience and start to learn a new trade. You know, a, a trade. I need to give it to someone who's done that job week in, week out. And so, uh, look, I know they didn't make the six, and so picking guys who are outside the six might seem a little bit left field. But uh, I think uh, good old Jacking it can get the job done for me all right we'll, we'll have to wait and see all right so let's get into the midfield so we've got a four-man midfield so uh, on my left is uh the adelaide captain craig goodwin uh like i said everything he's touched this year's turn of gold he was uh not at his best to be honest uh against the mariners the other night a few of his free kicks that normally nestle in the back of the net or end up on someone's head that they honestly they couldn't they could shut their eyes and still score a couple of them went up into uh the high marsh crowd they got the ball and can say that's a ball that uh our captain goodwin kicked it kicked to us so that's very unusual for him so that's a collector's item isn't it it is a collector's item it's it's very rare that he does that. So, look, he wasn't at his best, but uh, after the game, I think he was brutally honest in the fact that he's expecting a lot better from his team and that they are going to go to Central Coast and give it everything they got to try and uh, bring this tie back to, to in Adelaide's favour. On the right-hand side is a guy that uh, has returned to Australia uh, this season and uh, his team was flying when he was in the lineup. and as soon as he came out, uh, even though they were packed full of stars, they looked like a team that uh, lost their way. So Matt Leckie takes the right midfield, so I've got a really nice uh, balance of uh, Socceroos there with uh, Craig Goodman on the left and uh, Matt Leckie on the right. And in the centre of the park, if you're going to have a lot of quality around the pitch, I don't know if he's been one of the two standout centre midfielders this year, but I think he's not far off the mark. But I think what he brings to my team is just an unbelievable uh, quality of passing and distribution, and he also works hard. So Luke Bratton is one of my centre midfielders. I think having – when you see my my three up top, you'll see where I think uh, they'll get maximum benefit from a player like that. And alongside him, I've gone for another raw player. I've gone for Jay O'Shea. I know um, it's another player that missed out in the six this year, but I think I need a guy who, you know, is going to work hard. He's a good leader. He, he's not scared of getting stuck into tackles, and he's also got himself a few goals this year. So, uh, yeah, my midfield loves a, pen- loves a penalty. I hope you got some players uh, that can that can win a penalty up top. Yeah, definitely, mate. I can think he can he can bag a few if we get a few pens. But uh, yeah, so good one on the left, Matt Leckie on the right, and centre of the park, Luke Luke Bratton and Jay O'Shea. All right, interesting, interesting. That's a interesting, a interesting, interesting as in you're crazy, or interesting as in uh, I hadn't thought of that. 
No, interesting as as in the obviously the formation you're playing is 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 different to what I what I have. Um, I've gone for a little bit younger in, in the midfield, um, but but also some some similarities. So um, you you just have to you just have to wait and see, mate. You just have to wait and see. All right, so um that that means that I've got one player uh, that's playing in between the line, my number ten, so in in front of the midfield, but uh, in behind my front two, and that that guy is probably the player that's going to win uh, the best and fairest this year, and that's Brandon Barillo. So. I think uh, he's had a, a fantastic job. I think he's done amazing things for for the Wanderers this year, and um, you know, and he just said he wanted to come back and enjoy his football. And, and the other thing I really liked about him the other day is I said to, to you, uh, said to uh, you know Tommy Mercer a few weeks ago, he looks grumpy all the time, but he's come out and said that you know he loves being back. He enjoys the derby. Congratulations to Sydney. So it just goes to show, you know, when he gets on the pitch, he's he's so competitive and he's such a fierce competitor. That he sometimes gets lost, but he's you know he's found his way back and realised that you know. It is a game, um, and you know sometimes you've got to pay credit where credit's due, and he did that. But yeah, he's been absolutely brilliant this year, and I don't think he's a he's a he's a he's a striker. So um, I think we'll get even a better return from him if he's playing high up the pitch, but just in behind the strikers, so he can create and score as well. So Brandon Brillo will be my number ten, and uh, then my front two will be made up of the. Uh, Leading scorer of uh, the all-time in the A-League, Mr. J-Mac, Jamie McLaren. So you just can't go past a guy like that. If you've got him in your team, you're guaranteed 20-odd, 25 goals a season. So uh, he's proven it week in, week out. Um, he's on every billboard at the moment in Melbourne. He's on every street corner. He's on every painting that someone's spray-painting on the wall. He's just the hottest thing in Melbourne at the moment. And he's another guy, I think, who was uh, a little bit off, off song the other day. So... Joining uh, Craig Goodwin, he wasn't at his best, and uh, if he was, it would have been big trouble for Sydney, but uh, he wasn't, and I think partly that can be put down to the fact that Sydney has so much experience at the back, as I said. You know, that's a team that I don't think anyone wanted to play in the finals when you've got, uh, you know, you've, you've got Wilco, you've got Rodwell, who's played in the Premier League and played for England, you've got Ryan Grant, who's played for the Socceroos, and then you've got uh, King, who's been overseas as well, and then you've got, you know, one of the Socceroos keepers in behind them, so it's a, it's a really experienced unit, so I think they can take some credit for keeping him quiet, but, you know, I'd hate to bet against McLaren being quiet two games in a row, so uh, I think the Sky Blues could be in for a bit of trouble. And uh, alongside him in the strike force is uh, Oscar Zawada. So um, he's been excellent this year. He's he's proven that he um, he just knows how to finish. And sometimes, like he said, he gets some. He's had some service, which is just you know that VIP Rolls Royce you know gold service. But sometimes he's had to really work hard. And average balls he's turned into to goals because he's just so good at adjusting his body and being able to you know create something out of nothing. So. Yes, he's, he's, I think his form and the Phoenix form all dipped when uh, he had his first child, but that's a lot more important than football. So uh, I'm sure he's happy that he's got his healthy baby boy and you know he would have liked, a, I suppose, a, a semi-final or a final to go alongside that. But if he had a choice which one way or the other, I'm, I think he's glad he's got what he's got. But uh, yeah, he, he'll be my uh, my other striker. So my, my uh, lineup is uh, Lawrence Thomas in goals from the Wanderers, Jordan Boss, Brian Kaltak and Jack Hingott as my back three. Midfield consisting of consisting of Adelaide captain Craig Goodwin uh, on the left, centre of the park Jay O'Shea and Sydney's uh, Mr Engine Luca Bratton, and on the right Matthew Leckie. Playing in between that line there is my number ten is uh, the A League standout player this year Brandon Borello, and up front is my strike force of Oscar Zawada and uh, Jamie McLaren. So that's my starting lineup, and I'll quickly just go through my bench before you tell me what you're putting on the pitch against me. So. Joe Gouchy will be my backup uh, goalkeeper. Um, he's been fantastic this year as well. And to have two keepers like that in your side, you'd be very sport. I think you'd be very broke, but I think you'd be very, you'd be very sport for choice. 
At the back, I've gone for Tommy Mersler, and like I said, just because of the way he plays and his style, I don't know if he suits the back three. He'll probably message me and tell me you're a clown. You don't know what we're talking about. I can play in a back three easily, but I think he's better in a back back four, so hence why I've got him there for his experience in the season he's had, but he, he wouldn't start. Uh, I've also picked James McGarry because I think James McGarry's been excellent this year, he's, and he'll give me some goals off the bench, so I've gone for James McGarry. I've also chosen Ryan Kiddo for his versatility. He's been, you know, he's played fullback this year. He's played midfield. I think he's even had a crack up front. So he gives you a lot, a lot of versatility. So I think for his consistent for performance, I don't think he's been a ten at all this year, but he's probably been a seven or an eight in multiple different positions, which makes him very handy. Uh, and then rounding out my squad, I've gone for Callum Yunhoff, who was a toss of the coin between starting him in the centre of the park instead of either O'Shea or Bratton. He's had a fantastic year. He's worked hard. He scored goals. so And he gives me a little bit of youth on my bench. Uh, Marco Tilio, who made the under-23 squad, and especially in the second half of the season, he's found his form and shown why he's one of the hottest talents in the country. I definitely have him there to come off the bench and spark something. And I couldn't go past Mr. Seven Goals, uh, 17 goals this season and the man that's led the line uh, for the for the Mariners in Jason Cummings. So that rounds out my bench. Marco Tilio, Joe Gauci, Ryan Kiddo, Jason Cummings, James McGarry, Callum Neuenhoff and Tommy Mercola. So that's my squad. I don't know how it would fare against yours, but I'm very keen to hear what you're putting out in the pitch against me. Very interesting. Yeah, all right. So it's, no, it's a... It's a great squad, and and to be honest, I've I've got some some similarities, but um, I prefer a, a four three three or a, or a, essentially it's a four two three one. Um, I'm, I'm going to have to agree with you on, on the goalkeeping stakes. Um, I think Lawrence Thomas, um, easily keeper of the season for me. Um, like I said, he, he pulled off some some good saves, and um, I think having that stability at the back, uh, the Wanderers really needed that. They haven't had that. Um, you know, for for a long, long time, they haven't had a keeper like him. So, um, you know, back to I, I think Ante Kovic was probably the the last you know very good goalkeeper they had at the club. So, um, they they need that they needed that stability, and, and that's what they they got when they brought him in. They they knew what they were bringing into the squad, and um, you know, I think he repaid them uh, you know tenfold this season, and and was really the reason why. Um, you know, along with all the other pieces of the puzzle, but um, you know, the main reason at the back that their defence was uh, was so good this season. But they also had, uh, I think, they only conceded twenty seven goals this year, so they had the best defence by quite a few. I think second was, and still, quite a few goals more was City, who have won another title. You know, another Premier's plate. So it goes to show when they've uh, put a few on um, on on City. You know, they've got a, a better goal difference than City by quite a few. It goes to show that uh, they were enormous at the back, and you know, you expect no less from a Marco Rudin coach team. But I think I'm with you. I think. Uh, LT is um, a huge reason why um, they yeah they had an absolute rock tight defence this year and unfortunately for them they just couldn't go all the way but uh, it wasn't from a lack of effort from him. Yeah, definitely. So I've gone with um, four at the back. Um, I struggled a bit at the right back position. Um, you're playing yourself there. I, is that what you're telling me? Well, if if I'm available, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm in. Play a coach, but yeah. but look, I. I tossed, I tossed, I tossed a few names in, but ultimately I went with Josh Risden on this one. Okay, I think, um, you know, he hasn't been at his best the last last few seasons. Even though I know they they won the league last year, strange to say, but I think this year, I think he he was he, he was for me he was a player of the season for for Western United in a in a poor season at a at a team level. But um, I think individually, I thought he was almost almost back to his best, and um, you know, potentially. 
that we've got. I know we've got a lot of players at right back for the Socceroos, but um, I think with the season he had, if he can build on that um, next season, who, who knows? Maybe he's he's back in the mix um, at that right back spot for the for the Socceroos. So going with him at right back, um, my two centre backs. Um, I'm going to go with the Central Coast Mariners pairing of Brian Caltech and Nectar Triantis. Um, I think we spoke about Caltech, you know, a couple of minutes ago. He, he's been brilliant all season, absolute rock for Central Coast at the back. And uh, I think the young fella next to him, um, Nectar Triantis, I think he's, you know, he's an amazing footballer with a, a very, very high ceiling. I think, um, you know, he's he's got the physicality already. Um, he, he's got a, a season under his belt now, um, you know, in, in the A-League. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if some big European clubs come come knocking for him um, in the near future. I think he's had a, a tremendous season and he's, he's just got all the all the attributes to to go on and, and be a successful footballer at the, at the very top level. So um, I like to keep my centre-backs together and, and I think the two, two Mariners centre-backs for me have been, have been the best two this season. So... I'm going with them um, as a pairing at, at, at centre-back. What about your left-back? Left-back, look, there was there was two names for me. It was Jordan Boss and, and James McGarry. I think they've been the two standouts. Um, I think Jordan Boss has two goals, five assists, five clean sheets. Uh, McGarry, four goals, one assist, three clean sheets. Um, tough one. Uh, I'm going to start Jordan Boss at, at left-back. Um, just because I want to play a, I want to play a high line. I want my left and right backs to to get forward, um, and you'll you'll see why uh, when I when I show you my midfield as well. So um, yeah, going with Jordan Boss at left back, I think just his his dynamic. Um, you know, he he gets his his physicality, being able to go up and down. Um, same with Josh Risden on the right. The one goes, one stays. Um, I, I think that's how, that's how I'm going to go about it. Mate, so in summary, you've got, we agree on uh, Jordan Boss on the left. Mm. On the right, I think uh, you are right, but to be honest, I've probably, he got lost a little bit in a team that was really poor this year, so hence why I, I don't disagree. You know, he's had a good season, but I think he got lost for me because of the fact that they were so average. Um, and you've gone for the sauce bottles in the middle, which I um, I respect because, you know, they've come second this year. They've flown under the radar. They're, they're At the moment, probably they were the most impressive out of the four teams in the semifinals on the weekend. So, yeah, look, it's definitely, uh, you know, you've got the guy who's come from the wilderness who no one remembered and the guy who's had limited chances and he's gone there and they've given him a chance in Triantis. So, um, yeah, it's a solid back line. Who have you got in your midfield? Well, so my uh, three-man midfield or my, my two holding, um, I've gone with with youth in Aidan O'Neill and uh, Callum Neuenhoff. So um, O'Neill will be my my holding midfielder. Neuenhoff more the eight that that pushes up, um, you know, into the attack and is is that link from uh, midfield to to my front line. And uh, just sitting in front of them, I, I could could have gone either way with this, but um, I'm going to go with. With Brandon O'Neill, uh, sorry, not Brandon O'Neill, uh, Brandon Borello. Um, but very close following him was Max Burgess. But I, I just think it's it's just too difficult for me to leave to leave um, Brandon Borello out of the lineup. I had I had to fit him somewhere in that puzzle. Um, and, and like you said, I, I don't think he's an out and out number nine. I think he's better sort of just just off the off the number nine or, or in that 10 role or, or even from a even in a wider position but um 
yeah, just too many pieces of the puzzle, and and I had to sit him as my um, as my number ten. Mate, you're not that far off the mark. I, I did consider Aidan O'Neill. I thought he's had a great year. So uh, he's definitely someone I looked at as well. And uh, I, I thought Maxi Burgess has a fantastic year as well. So uh, I can understand why he's mentioned. But, uh, yeah, I think Borello for us is a standout. Um, and who was the other centre midfield he said? Uh, Callum Neuenhoff. Oh, Callum. Uh, yeah, he's been, he's been brilliant. Bit of youth. Yeah, but I think, oh, mate, you're, you've had a young son now, so you, you love the youth, so, you know, you think that's the way forward. So I'm not surprised you've gone for Aiden and uh, Callum in the centre of the park. Yeah, so, and, and then my, my three up top, I think look, these three probably picked themselves. Um, they, they've been standouts, um, you know, for, for, for their respective clubs and and also, you know, for the Socceroos uh, uh, over the last, you know, four, five, six years, so... Um, on, on the left side, I'm going with Craig Goodwin. It, it's impossible to leave him out of this out of this squad. Uh, his left foot, his deliveries, his his um, ability at set pieces as well. So, gone with Craig Goodwin on the left. Um, in, in the middle with, with J Mac, um, you know, leading goal scorer. He, he, he's a, a fox in the box. You, you can't leave him out of this squad. He's, he's going to bang goals in, um, you know, wherever you put him. And um, on the right-hand side, I've gone with uh, Matthew Leckie. Um, for me, I think he, he probably just edges out um, uh, Attilio um, in, in that position. I, I think uh, the season he's had, the experience he brings, um, you know, he's, he's flying. He was flying off the back of the World Cup. Um, yeah, picked up a, a bit of an injury, but uh, he's back now and, and scored a, a crucial goal for Melbourne City um, in, the, in the semi-final on the weekend. It's a very dangerous lineup, and uh, like I said, I think my back three will have their work cut out having a front three like that. But uh, look, I, I still back myself to uh, to get us to get us in the game and give us a chance. But uh, who have you gone for on your bench? Have you got a, a couple of bench players there? So I've I've got a couple of benches. Um, I've gone with Thomas Glover in goals over over your Joe Gauchi. Um I think Glover's a type of keeper that. You know, you probably haven't noticed him that that much this year, which is a good thing. He's obviously, he obviously plays with, um, you know, a, a very strong team in front of him. But um, I think uh, when called upon, he's been really good this season and and evidence. Um, you know, in the semi final of the weekend, he, I think he kept his team alive in that in that tie. So um, I'm going to go with Tom Glover on on the bench as, as my backup goalkeeper. Um, defenders. Um, I'm going to go with Ryan Grant just because of his his versatility. Um, you, you know, he, he was. I don't think he's had a, a great season, but I think he's he's built up. You know, he's he, he started a bit slow, but he's he's grown into the season, and um, you know, he's he's almost back to his best, and and that Sydney backline are almost back to their best as well. So, got to go with Ryan Grant um, at centre back. I'm going to go with Marcelo. Um, just because of his experience, I know we've. I was you know, so shocked. I was so shocked you didn't start him before. I was. I was when you were mentioning the two Mariners. I was thinking, what happened to Marcelo? Did you did you write down the wrong name was, or something? Uh, no, yeah. it was close. It was close, but I couldn't. I couldn't pull the two Mariners centre backs uh, apart. So, I've gone with Marcelo for a bit of experience on the bench, um, and I've got to go with James McGarry as well at, at left back as as my cover there um, in midfield. Um, just going with the one with uh, Maxi Burgess. So he's he's my, um, you know, he he can play a bit deeper. He can play the ten. He can also play it out out wide. Um, and then my forwards on the bench. I'm going with uh, Robert Mack, the uh, 
bleached blonde Robert Mack, or, or maybe maybe I'll take the Robert Mack before the bleached blonde. I think he was yeah, a, a little do. bit better. Yeah, I would do. Um, it, it was, it was, I don't know what happened on the weekend, but um, maybe that peroxide got uh, seeped into his brain a little bit, but he wasn't, uh, <laughs> wasn't, he, he wasn't at his best. Um, and so I'll go, I'll go with the Mack. I'm going to go with the Lolly Man on on the other as my other um, backup up 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 for, for the wide areas. Um, I thought, you know, he 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 served me so well in my fantasy team that I couldn't leave him out out of this squad. So I've gone with uh, Joe Lolly and um, also your man Oscar Zawada as my backup striker. Toss up between him and Cummings, but I think Zawada offers something a little bit different to McLaren, whereas I think McLaren and, and Cummings are, are fairly similar. Mate, it's a very strong bench and uh, look, probably a smart move. But I know you love Marcelo and you want him uh, in your squad, but uh, he, he'll miss a few games because of his record with suspension, so you're better off to get your centre pairing sorted and he can come in and make a couple of cameos. But... Uh, all right, that's the end of uh, our uh, team of the season. So uh, it'd be interesting to see if we could get it organised, to see if we could have a clash. And if if we ha- pick the same player, maybe we just draw straws and then we bring in a replacement. But uh, look, I'm keen to hear what the listeners think and uh, who the, whose side they like and what they think we should have changed or what we got right or whatever. But uh, yeah, please hit us up well, on our socials. Well, look, now, now that there's no All-Star game, maybe we have the uh, Geo versus VIG All-Stars. Yeah, mate, that's definitely. But you know what? Any good ideas they're not interested in, so I know that's definitely going to be squashed. If we come up with a crap idea, they'd be keen. <laughs> All right, so that's how about, yeah. how about we just have how about we just have the week off and have no game? That's a that's a uh, that's what they that's what they've planned. Yeah, what a great option. All right, so moving on to the uh, final section of our show, which is our clinical finish, and first up is our WTF, our what the foot. So uh, we already touched on this, so I won't spend too much time on it. The uh, it was the correct decision but I hate the rule. Sydney was allowed to retake the penalty that Glover had saved to deny Casiris, and LaFondre made sure he didn't suffer the same fate slotting the ball home. The reason was encroachment, as you said, by City defender Callum Talbot, but for me it should be a passive offside. If he interferes with the rebound, then yes, he could award a retake, but if not, then play on. Now, yes, he did, so in this instance they got it right, but if they understood the rule and they realised that he has to stay out of play, if he goes near the ball or he involved in the play, then he the penalty will be retaken. Well, okay, if he runs in and he stops and he doesn't interfere with anybody, well, he's done nothing. So at the end of the day, it hasn't affected the keeper saving. It hasn't affected the guy taking the penalty. So it's just a cuck at a rule. So for me, it is what the foot. I think it was harshly done by. I think Sydney deserves something out of the game, but the keeper's gone and made a fantastic save. And because some guy up on the hill has eaten, a, a, eaten a, a lolly that he didn't unwrap properly, they've said, oh, yeah, take the penalty again. I hate these rules. They stink and they wreck the game. So for me, it is what the foot. Um, it was the right decision, but the, re- the decision needs to be reviewed in my opinion. Yeah, look, uh, uh, it happens. It happens a lot, right? This, this, and and it doesn't always get picked up. So, um, you know, as a Sydney FC fan, I'm glad it got picked up um, on on Friday night. But um, yeah, it is it is a bit of a, a rubbish rule. Um, I think it should just be as soon as soon as the player. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I may, maybe not. I was going to say as soon as the player starts to move towards the ball, you can you can start to run in, but. You know, Paul Pogba does his, you know, 20, 26 slow step uh, run up to take a penalty. So, um, yeah, look, oh, I don't know. You just got to stay out of the box until until the penalty's taken, and, and then you can can run in and, and clear it or um, follow up. But you see, you start to see players now even starting, you know, five, ten yards behind the, the penalty the box, so they can get a bit of a run up and and time their run as as the player kicks it and, and run into the box. So. 
Um, it's an interesting one, but you know, Tom Glover's done so well there. He's he's made a tremendous save, um, and his his players let him down by encroaching. And um, yes, he did clear the ball away, so I can understand why. Um, they've made uh, Sydney retake it. Yeah, look, you feel sorry for uh, Glover. He thought he put off a great save and uh, he had Coach Vitasic absolutely cooking, but once he'd realised that they got it right and he calmed down, but, you know, he thought that he's he's got his, himself a one to win probably and instead they get a retake. So it's, it's pretty harsh, but, yeah, look, it is the rule. So uh, play on, but, yeah, just have a look at it in the off-season. Okay, games to watch this week. It's the return legs. Melbourne City welcomes Sydney with the score locked at 1-1 and the Mariners hope to replicate the form they showed at Highmarsh last week when Adelaide United visited the Central Coast trailing to... Two ones, so two fantastic and exciting uh, second legs uh, here to be played. Tell us quickly, Vig Melbourne City or your beloved Sydney FC, who goes through the final? Oh God, honestly, this this is a lot closer than you know a lot of people expected. I think a lot of people expected if you, if you said City versus Sydney, you know, four or five weeks ago. You would have taken City hands down. You would have said they'll, they'll win both games easy and and they'll progress. But um, like I said, City uh, Sydney did so well. They they nullified Jamie McLaren really well. Um, you know, e- e- even the wingers, um, City didn't with all the possession they had. I think you said sixty two percent possession. They yeah. didn't really they didn't really create that many opportunities. And and you know they got their goal off a set piece. It, it wasn't like um, you know it was great build up play and they they broke the lines and got in behind the Sydney. Sydney backline. Um, oh, I think I think the only thing, um, you know, if, if this was if this was a return leg at, at Allianz in, in Sydney, I'd, I'd I'd almost you know want to put my put some money on on Sydney to go through. But the only thing swinging it, I think Melbourne City at home. They've been so good this this year at home. Um, I, I think they'll just get the job done at home. Yeah, look for me. I'm not sitting on the fence here, but I think if it's uh, if it's still tied at half time, whether it's nil nil or one one in the second leg at half time, I think that uh, Sydney will go on and win the game. That's my opinion. If uh, if City can lead at half time, I think that they'll go on with a job. But I think if it's still tied at half time, I thought Sydney came home the stronger in the second half, and I reckon it will give them confidence. So yeah. If it's uh, tied at at, at uh, half time, Sydney will run it, run away with it. But if not, and uh, City have the lead, they'll do they'll get the job done. And the second game uh, for for me, I think that uh, Adelaide, uh, like I said, they've had their their season. It's been a great year, but I think uh, the way Central Coast have been playing, the belief in the squad, you know, as we spoke to them last week, how comfortable and confident they are, and they've got young guys in there who are up for this because it's not their fourth or fifth final series; it's their first. So for me, I think they'll just get the job done, and and I don't know. Um, what the score will be, but I just think that Central Coast has just got too many weapons at the moment and Adelaide are going backwards in form, not forwards. What about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I think at home um, they're going to get a good crowd there. Um, I, I think Central Coast see this one out. I, I don't think they're going to go and you know, spank them 4-1 four, four or 3-0 um, like, like they did a, a couple of weeks ago, but I think that they'll do enough to, to get it done, you know, 1-0, 2-0. Um, two one or something like that. So, um, you know, unless Adelaide, Adelaide have to have to gamble. If they gamble early, um, you know, and and come out and, and and try and just blow Central Coast out of the water, then um, you know who knows. But I, I think Central Coast uh, at home with a good crowd there. Uh, we'll get the job done. All right. Well, let's have to wait and see. If you missed any part of the show or want to listen to other episodes, where can they catch it? 
Yeah, they can catch us on all good podcast platforms, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, um, also up on Football Nation Radio across their platforms. And uh, they can see the video of our uh, ugly mugs up on our YouTube channel. Check it out. But uh, good luck to all teams in the second leg of the semis. Both ties hanging in the balance, so, be, so it will depend on which team turns up or which teams turn up to play. We hope you enjoyed the show even half as much as we enjoy bringing it to you. And we look forward to your company again next week. Until then, uh, enjoy the football, enjoy the semis, and uh, as we say, rise up and join the football revolution. Have a fantastic week, enjoy the semifinals, and we'll catch you again next week. You're listening to the Football Revolution.